Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. I'm your other host, Charles Rogers, and welcome to the longest fucking lead time between a show and us recording ever. Yes. Except for the ones, the, the Mando ones, we retrospective. You know, eventually we were going to do this. It was going to happen eventually. So they, they were going to be like, Something was going to happen. Right. Something was going to happen. That something turned out to be COVID-19 that rendered yeah. me unable to barely speak or get out of bed. Yeah, Fun so, times. I mean, we apologize, but also, I guess it was his health that was an issue. So, blah, blah, you know. Blah. I know. I could, I could just hear the... Oh, you should be dragging yourself out of bed to, right. to make the content. Yeah, are you uh, a real Star Wars fan? Are you a no. real Star Wars fan if you don't drag <laughs> yourself out of bed with COVID? First of right. all, I got COVID at Celebration, so don't right. That's what's ironic me. about this whole entire thing. That's what's Second so of all, I, I promise you that no one that listens to the show consistently wants me to suffer just to put out. I do it anyway, but right, no right, one right. wants me to. So, Bradley, I do not believe we have any news. That has occurred in the the few days I've been bedridden. (laughs) Oh, other than uh, we have a bad batch release date. Yeah. So so they randomly put out, they told us at SWCA fall 2022. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know what fall meant. Bradley and I were kind of going back and forth on what does fall mean. Disney Plus might have leaked it. So they put up a banner that by accident that said coming September 28th which is random and weird. Now I have also heard that they mistakenly put up a banner saying coming October 31st, which is the Andor release date. So there may be some confusion internally at Disney plus with what they're attaching to their banners. I don't know. September 28th is such a random fucking date. Yeah. I want to believe it, but at the same time, it's kind of like one of those things where you're just like, it doesn't make sense quite. It honestly, it it tracks. If you want the back half of it to be running in between Andor and Mandalorian, because Mandalorian's coming out in February. And so if it premieres September 28th and it's 16 episodes, that would be October, November, December, January would be all filled with Bad Batch. And then it would be October and November that overlap with Andor. We have no idea how we're going to cover this in a timely manner on the show. <laughs> oh God. Uh, I'm I mean, I'm excited for all these shows, and I'm like, oh yeah, no, I uh, love it. I thinking about it, I personally would prefer like if they were gonna do as opposed to being like there is a new Star Wars show every single week in perpetuity. I kind of prefer some weeks you're gonna get two Star Wars shows and some weeks you're gonna get zero. Because I like having breaks from new Star Wars content. It gets a little overwhelming to follow it every single day. Like, leave me alone. Rings of Power is coming out. Dragon Age 4 just got a title released. I have other things I want to do. No, yeah. And that's why I like having like little mini breaks. Like, that's why I can enjoy like the Marvel shows once in a while. You know what I mean? Because then it gives us a break from Star Wars for a bit. And you're just like, okay, I can watch Moon Knight or whatever. I can watch whatever. And... You don't oh, have to I think can like watch Star Midnight. <laughs> I can watch Midnight. Hi, Daddy. Oh my God. Hi, Daddy. I see you there. You're ridiculous. I hate. I hate how you're gonna be when uh, She-Hulk Attorney at Law comes out. You're gonna be. <laughs> you're gonna be so. Weird. Oh my God! I'm gonna be a menace. 
I'm going to be a fucking menace. It's going to be step on me, mommy, every week. Every week. I know. I can already see it happening. I already see it. You know what my brand is, Bradley. You know how this works by this point. (laughs) Uh, But speaking of of daddy. Yes. Let's let's talk about uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, which premiered uh, almost over a week ago as of recording this. In a room that I was in, which I will bring up between now and the end of this show, I was in the room for that, which was very, very cool. And I will talk about some of the audience reactions in the actual premiere as we get through the episode. But fortunately, as it is a currently airing TV show, I don't write the script for these episodes. So Bradley, do you want to take us into the first episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Absolutely. Obi-Wan Kenobi, episode one, part one. Not an actual title this time. That was interesting. But no titles. Gonna, yeah, no titles, parts. only parts. So this is just one extra long movie. So keep that in mind moving forward. This week, Obi-Wan Kenobi makes his return 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. We see him where we left off watching over Luke on Tatooine. When a surviving Jedi is discovered by Inquisitors on Tatooine, Kenobi avoids helping the man so that he may protect Luke. To draw Kenobi out, the Inquisitor Reva hires a bounty hunter to kidnap the Princess of Alderaan, causing her adoptive father, Bail Organa, to reach out to Kenobi for help since they were once friends in the war. Charles, what was one thing you liked about this episode and one thing you did not? So one thing I liked about the episode is, is I was impressed, and there's no point specifically for me to talk about the notes, uh, but I was impressed as somebody who's familiar with the prequel era, somebody who's familiar with kind of the Rebels era, uh, somebody who's familiar with the original trilogy. I liked how it was very clear where this fit mm. in that timeline that they did a good job of making sure that the production design, the aesthetics, the design of the shots, design of the costumes, the characters they chose to be in it, all of this like comes together. And I point out, I'm like, yeah, that's 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. It's like a year or two before Rebel starts. I can peg this. This, I know exactly where this is happening. Uh, One thing I disliked uh, was the bit where the credits rolled. That was my issue uh, because it stopped and then uh, I didn't get more episode. Oh, I see what that, you're saying. That you, was you, my problem. Your problem was that it didn't keep going. I got you. My problem you. is that it ended. Uh, uh, I, I am going to struggle to find things that I dislike about this show. Same. It's going to be like, really hard. Yeah. Really hard. I think if there's... I am going to get up on my soapbox for a minute. Yeah, because I will. It's not a problem with the episode. It's a problem with Disney Plus. So we're going to talk about the first scene. The first scene, uh, there's no delicate way to phrase it. It it literally opens with like a a classroom being shot up. Yeah. Uh, And given current recent events, obviously there there needed to be some sort of warning on the episode. And this isn't the only show to do this, too, by the way. This is not the the only show to do this. Disney, yeah, I, I, I've heard. Stranger Things also did the same thing. 
Yep. And Stranger so, Things was 10 times worse. I'm going to complain about Disney Plus because what Disney Plus did was originally they had a very well-written one that basically said, this is a continuation of events from 10 years ago. Right. Seems going to hit different, viewer discretion vibes. They changed it to a more general, this contains scenes that some viewers might find disturbing. Mm. You need to be more specific, Disney Plus. Yeah. If you're going to put content warnings up front, you need to say what the content is up front. That is the point of a content of the warning. content warning. Yeah. Trigger. It, took, <laughs> like, it, you took, know. it took me off guard yeah. in the theater. And it even took me off guard again when I watched it and I knew what was coming. It's a yeah. shocking scene, but it hits different now. And that right. was one thing I disliked is they could have been more responsible about how that scene was presented within the context of Disney plus itself. I don't think right. they should have changed anything about the episode. I think the mm. way it's presented in the episode is perfect. I think the way that Disney plus warns people ahead of time that it's coming needs work. Bradley, what's one thing you liked and one thing you disliked? Well, jumping off your point, uh, one thing I disliked actually was the first scene only for the fact that I know that it'll probably connect later on episodes later because i have a theory that one of the children is reva oh um, yeah one of the kids so, is like is yeah it's, it's gotta be her like so that's my like, i think actually the it's point. the only one with a speaking line i think that's her i'm assuming she's like come on guys let's go or something like that right so the i think like, that's we're, we're her run yeah, yeah yeah so i'm that's the only reason why i'm like fine with the scene still being in it because what I thought was weird, it just watching it on its own by itself with the warning in the beginning, I thought, huh, this doesn't connect to anything else in the episode. It's just kind of shoehorned in the beginning. Eh, like we already know what happened. Like we know the problem is we know Darth Vader's in the other room killing children. Like, so we don't need to be like reminded of this. You know what I mean? Like, well, and another thing is one six hour movie, but two, we also can now look at this. There is a thing. We are recording this on the 4th of June. I have been uh, incapacitated with the COVID-19. So we've actually already had a chance to see episode three. And there is a pretty good hint in episode three that Reva used to be a Jedi. But we'll get to that when we get to episode three. One thing I did like, though, about the episode, um, and I'm going to probably say this every single time we record, is what I'm dubbing Little Leia. Yes. Um, oh, my the, God. The actress... Um, we'll, when we get to her, we'll we'll name her and everything. But Leia is one of the best parts of this show. I I genuinely believe that she is one of the best parts. And honestly, because like you said, we have seen all the way up to episode three. She keeps getting sassier and funnier. And I'm just like so into her. Like she is so great. Uh, I, this little Star girl, Wars. whoever the casting, I mean, snaps to you. She is fantastic. I believe we I believe we said I believe we said on our episode zero. Who the casting director was we did uh, i think so uh, shout out to that me. person i yeah. don't remember the name um no i i have a confession when we get to leia okay. but star wars has just decided to be the show about grumpy old men adopting kids yeah oh yeah it's like the same I'm story here for it like <laughs> great go go for it right star wars has decided like legacy star wars has decided to be about parenthood yep. and i'm like you know what i'm into that all right bradley take us into uh take us into to the first section 
Yeah. Um, oh, and before we actually do that, uh, the Star Wars logo did change again. Before um, we do that. Oh, God. I watched this once again in at Star Wars Celebration Anaheim. I was in the room when this premiered. Yes. Uh, and they dived right in with the logo, straight into the, the Order 66 scene. Okay. Apparently, when you watch it on Disney Plus, and I didn't realize this until I watched it back, someone was tweeting about, uh, like, lol, they did a previously on Star Wars for this show. Yes, they did. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And I went back and I watched, when I watched it on Disney Plus to take my notes, because we weren't allowed to have phones out in the theater. Uh, and obviously, I wasn't going to take notes during right. that. I can't hop on Wikipedia and figure out who people are. I went back and I watched the previously on. I'm like, they really did a here's what you missed on Glee for the Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's what you missed on Star Wars. Like, it's oh it was God. stupid, but it was funny. It was so hilarious. Uh, and yes, they did change the logo again. Yes. Um, they added a the armor yep. from Mandalorian and a mouse droid randomly. I don't know why well, that was it, on there. Well, it is Pride Month. <laughs> is that why it's on there it was mouse so droids are canonically used for gay sexting so i want to bring this up though because they do change the logo it seems with every show but like at least when they change the logo it makes sense for the show so like i'm confused why kenobi got armor and mouse droid when like bad batch for example you bad know got like hunter others. and crosshair right they got other the stuff bad batch. that makes sense yeah yeah, and, and more I, animated stuff. I I wonder if they're trying to do one for animation and one for live action, but then that it's always random every time. So I it's don't always know. Always random every time. Yeah, it I makes don't know no goddamn it. sense. It doesn't make any sense. And so it, I'm I'm no, done watching it, done paying attention because I just can't. I'm gonna keep watching it and keep paying attention to it <laughs> because it annoys anyway. me. All right, um, let's just get right into it. Our story begins with a flashback to Order sixty six, <laughs> and then I just said no title card. This is just part one. Um, so we can just talk about a lot. We kind of spoke on it a little bit. I yeah, said the youngling with lines. That was the only one she says uh, that says run is a little black girl. I was like, oh, that's obviously that's obviously Reba. that's that's, that's obviously Reba. Yeah, I, I want to take I want to take you through my exact process of watching this scene for the first time mentally. Oh, God. Oh, it's Coruscant. That's nice. <laughs> what a pretty scene. Oh, nice. We're going to do an Obi-Wan Kenobi youth flashback. How right. peaceful. And this will lead into his meditation. Oh, fuck, no. Right. No, no, nope. no, 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 nope. no, nope. God, nope. no. What the fuck? Uh, yeah, uh, so I did cry when I, I did cry when I watched it in the theater. Yeah. I did cry again when I watched it to take my notes. Mm. Uh, so so I've, I've cried both of those times. So what's funny is when I was watching the scene, I thought when I was watching it, I thought they were going to show us the scene where Grogu escapes randomly. Like, cause it visually, like, it was like they filmed it on the same day or something. You know what I mean? Like, you know how his flashback is very similar. So I was like, oh, they might show Grogu randomly, like in the background, like being rescued. Like, I thought it was so weird, but. I do believe that like that scene though, those are real. The, the clones are not CGI. I mm. do believe those are actual stunt people. Nice. In clone armor. I, they did look a um, little more, yeah, tangible. 
Yeah, I think we get I think we get two oneers in this scene. I think we get the the first shot, and then when they go out into the hallway, it's a oneer from then to the end of the scene. Right. And uh, as you know, uh, I am perpetually, <laughs> perpetually hard for one shots. Yes. I absolutely love when something does not cut. So this scene was like horrifying and beautiful to me. Like right out the gate, Deborah Chow, you are an icon. You are a legend. Have have all the Star Wars that Bryce does, Dallas Howard doesn't want. Because, oh my Lord, right from the get-go, she knocked it out of the scene. Because honestly, she found a way to make Order 66 worse. And I didn't think that was possible. I feel like they, they're going to keep bringing up this Order 66 in every single fucking Disney show now. And every single one. I don't know why. They just, they're just like, you know what? This is very important to the plot. We just have to show you this over and over again. There you go. Order 66. Look, at least we know there cannot be an Order 66 in Ahsoka. Because we've already <laughs> seen Ahsoka Order 66. It was in Clone Wars Season 7. You say that, but watch them recreate that scene watch in live action. <laughs> uh, so I have two more notes for this yeah. sequence. Uh, the firstly is that I want to point out that the Palpatine voice that we hear at the end is, is diegetic. Mm. So to be clear, the clones are broadcasting Darth Sidious giving the order to murder the Jedi on loudspeaker while the Jedi are getting murdered. So for a lot of the Jedi, the last thing they are ever hearing is the voice of the return of the Sith (laughs) ordering their deaths. Perfect. That is such a Sidious thing to do. Very poetic. Very poetic. Just like, no, I want you, I want you to play you over there. Stop shooting the Jedi. I want you to go into the loudspeaker booth and I want you to get on the PA system and I want you to just broadcast just my voice on a loop. Uh because I am a dick. Yep. And the last note I want to bring up is uh who who that random Jedi is that protects the kids. Oh, who uh, is it? So, first of all, shout out to her for being a fucking badass. Um, She is original to the show. She's not shown up before. Uh, But her name is Minas Velti. uh, And she is played by Ming Q, I think is how you say this last name. I'm terribly sorry for butchering your name. Um, But that is who that is. I want to see her in more things. Hmm. Just as wow. a character, I would be very interested to know more about her. Probably not. Unfortunately. <laughs> um, she she doesn't really uh, have a good ending here. Yeah. But maybe if we get more flashbacks, if this is indeed uh, Reva, that I, I think we may, maybe that's like her, you know, her instructor or her teacher or whatever, like, We'll I, I would like to see her. Yeah, I would like to see her pop up in more things. Uh, yeah, yeah, just yeah. because she seemed like such a cool character. Absolutely. Ten years later, we open up on Tatooine, where oh, medicine... what a fucking surprise! 
you know what? We couldn't get off of Tatooine on the last show, so they said, you know what? Let's do it again. What if we spend more time on Tatooine? Oh, good lord. Sorry, yeah. please continue. <laughs> we open up on Tatooine where a menacing ship lands and drops off three Inquisitors who enter a local cantina looking for a Jedi. He is exposed by the Inquisitor Riva, but gets away. All right, so we know two of these three Inquisitors already. Already, yes, we do. We know the Grand Inquisitor, who is being portrayed by uh, Rupert Friend. Mm -hmm. And we know the fifth brother, who is being portrayed by Sun Kang. And our new Inquisitor is our antagonist of the series, uh, Moses Ingram as Inquisitor Riva. Mm -hmm. That's who who these dudes are so some fun facts about some of these people um moses ingram which is the one that is the most impressive of this list right so i i, I was looking at her career because i was like i don't know who she is right i wanted to see now i didn't watch queen's gambit but um she was in queen's gambit right and that was in 2020 is when that came out she graduated college in 2019 she literally no graduated college no. in 2019 then got on queen's gambit in 2020 and now she's on the fucking obi-wan kenobi show as the main fucking antagonist i love her so goddamn her much. rising star is like shooting like it's going like she's i think she's actually on like uh i don't know what um magazine this is but she's like on their list for like people to watch because that's insane she, she just graduated college and she's already in star wars like, I don't wow. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to make my, my age vaguely doxable. Um, so someone I graduated with at college. So I, I'm not sure if I graduated at the same time as him yeah. uh, or if I graduated like a year before a year after we were kind of in the same once you pass at my college, once you passed about sophomore year, your your grade stopped mattering. Yeah, uh, it, it effectively meant nothing. He is giving the commencement speech at our college for this graduating class, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm so I'm already having a moment of oh lord, I have accomplished nothing but this <laughs> stupid Star Wars podcast, uh, and now you're telling me Moses Ingram graduated college in 2019. Yeah, and then immediately turned around and was so badass that she got her way. Who is her agent? I don't know. She didn't even let COVID slow her down because think about it. Like she graduated in 2019. COVID was immediately after that in 2020. So she probably finished Queen's Gambit before, you know, that all happened. Or she did it during the pandemic. I don't even know how. I don't know the behind the scenes for Queen's Gambit, but that blows my mind because she immediately turned around. And yes, it obviously got slow after that for like a year, but like, you know. She's back on top and fucking Star Wars is her next only other project like that. That's insane. And she is killing it. Like Riva yes. is one of the most interesting new characters. Oh, yeah. I has introduced. I see like this, like after this is over, because I mean, obviously she's going to die at the end of this. Like, that's my theory is that she's going to die. Maybe. But you, th you think you don't think they're going to uh, eat her at the end? Like Darth Vader's going to eat her? Uh, I mean, there's some like whispers of like them greenlighting a sequel, but I mean, they're just rumors. I think take it on its own. Yeah, she's going to die at the end of this. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. as we know, no one's ever really gone 
That's true. Well, and I also think actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, I feel like they might be setting her up for a redemption. I, I, it's going to be, it's going to be iffy because, you know, it's going to be one of those weird things where it's like, she's going to do something right before she dies to, you know, like, I don't know, some bullshit like that, because now we're yeah, getting that's, into the, that's Star Wars. Yeah. That's Star Wars you know this I mean? whole like, thing. Yeah. So I don't know. That's a, that's an episode three topic because I, that's where I kind of started thinking of it. So just keep that in mind for, but, episode but three, she's but. literally just stepped off the, the shuttle for the first time. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I like how some of the dudes in the background of this scene, like, just have their guns out. Like, if you look at some of the, the extras yeah. in the background and the aliens, they just pulled their guns out mm. and are holding them. Like, it, it shows that Tatooine is not the kind of place, Moss Eisley in particular, which is where this is, not the kind of place you just walk into. Also, um, I do like how the um, the ship is contrasted with Tatooine. Like, it's this very obviously, like, black, like, it doesn't fit in with the landscape and it looks like out of place so when they land and then you have these three people wearing black come out it's very like stark contrast to the dirty roughness of Tatooine and the cleanliness of the empire oh yeah absolutely and like the the, the muted earthy shades of Tatooine the residents they're wearing like maroons and blues and and the the empire's here this black and white kind of aesthetic like Mm -hmm. Production design A plus on this show. A plus. Um, let's talk about Rupert Friend as the Grand Inquisitor. Because I really like the direction he went with him. Okay. Where what Friend is doing with this role is that he said that he didn't want to just like do an imitation of Jason Isaacs. Because Jason Isaacs is a very distinctive voice yeah. and a very distinctive timbre to the way he speaks. And Rupert Friend was like, I don't really want to do and like just try to imitate another actor. So he tried to come at the same character from a different approach. And I thought he did an excellent job of it. Uh, I also really like the role the Grand Inquisitor plays in this, where mm. he's kind of the restrained one. Right. Trying to yeah. hold Reva back, which is not how we've seen the Grand Inquisitor before. When right. we see him yeah. in Rebels, he's much more aggressive about hunting Ezra and Kanan. That's true. And it is also worth noting that this is taking place 10 years before Rebels. Well, not 10. It's taking it's taking about five years before. Oh, is it five? Okay. It's about five. Oh, I keep forgetting that Rebels is like I always think Rebels and New Hope are like synonymous for some reason in my brain, like because of fucking Rogue One messed me up with like the real close. Yeah. Yeah. It's all yeah. It all fucked me up. It's gonna be Ezra's 15 when the show starts, and he was born on Empire Day. So we're about five years out from Rebels. Got it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So it's worth noting that, yeah, you know, it's been that will be relevant in episode two, by the way. Right, right. This happens before Rebels. Yeah. So I want to go to the fifth brother too, because uh, first of all, the costuming and the makeup for the fifth brother. Those are just things that you don't necessarily think that would translate very well. Like, and same with the Grand Inquisitor. You you know, people were kind of iffy about his look. Honestly, I think we just got like bad screenshots from like the trailer and stuff. That's what I said at the time. Yeah, that's because a bunch of people said at the time is like, you can't judge these prosthetics off of five seconds seconds, of screen time. Because when you see the Grand Inquisitor closer up like and his eyes are actually yellow at times and you're like especially in darker scenes 
is like he almost looks like he gets like they change like they kind of like come out more yeah and like people are like oh his teeth aren't sharp his top row of his teeth is sharp the bottom is flat but the top is sharp right like and you couldn't see that in the trailer like maybe the eyes digitally hadn't been finished yet by the time the trailer right yeah there's so many things i mean it looks both of them look great amazing they look really good I, I just have Reva Girl Boss here in my notes. <laughs> and I do want to shout out Benny Safty, who plays oh, yeah. Nari, the, the fugitive Jedi in this episode. Which um, we incorrectly guessed was going to be the droid from episode three. Um, we did incorrectly yeah. <laughs> guess that it was going to be the droid. Uh, he, is, he is not the droid. Yeah, I, and you know what's weird, though, is when we got that cast list, I thought everybody in the cast list was going to be this very, like, prominent role like for the series moving forward but like he's only in you know this one episode essentially maybe a little bit in the next one but you know well his body but um (laughs) well no it's (laughs) no it's it's only it's only in this one that's only this one okay well Um, we're we're three episodes in and o'shea jackson jr hasn't even showed up yet Right. So who knows? Yeah. I mean, maybe that he's just a one episode person too. Like it's just one of those things that we just weren't expecting. And just there's not really, you can guess up next, we cut to a dead carcass in the middle of the dune sea where laborers are collecting its meat. One worker we recognize as the infamous Obi-Wan Kenobi. He clocks out for the day and heads home on his Yopi when a local Jawa trader Tika comes to his home to sell him some goods During the night, Obi-Wan dreams of his past failures. He wakes and reaches out for his old master, who doesn't respond. That's fucking Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's Obi-Wan Kenobi working the day job. I like that they have to give him a day job because like every other bit of media about him during this time period has portrayed him as like he immediately moved into his hut. uh, And then he uh, proceeded to do nothing for 20 years. Right. Yeah, he's and obviously going to do something. Like, he's not just going to sit I, in his I like house. that he has to get a day job. Yeah. Like, he he's has to eat. pay for things. Yeah, he's got to do stuff. Like One thing that is interesting to note is the direct contrast between what the Grand Inquisitor says about the Jedi is like, Jedi have to help people. It's an itch. Uh, and then we immediately cut to Obi-Wan not helping a guy getting bullied. I, I do, I like that immediate contrast. And it's our first kind of indication that Obi-Wan has cut himself off from the force and completely just cut himself off from being a Jedi. And I do like that. It's, it's, it's like, I like the, the guys like, what are you, you going to do about it? Like, you know, like, it's almost like a, it's like, where's the union? Where's the union is, around here? There is no union. <laughs> this is the future that Jeff Bezos wants. There is no union. I'm like, how many years? Oh, I guess this is a long time ago, actually. So it's not actually uh, Jeff Bezos hasn't been born yet, according to this. <laughs> but the stink of capitalism remains. Right. Oh, wait, you know, what I just realized if what? this is a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, we're just now getting the information. So technically it is now because of the, that's the way how light works. So then why are we getting it out of order? I don't know. You know what? I think we have just really shitty uh, technology right now. And we just we like keep getting bits Wi-Fi. and pieces of the information. Yeah. Our spotty Wi-Fi keeps going in and out. And they're like, oh, here's the, you know, the prequel era. Here's the sequel era. It's like, wait, why are you guys doing these out of order? They should all be coming to us in real time. Oh, well. Uh, I do want to shout out Obi-Wan Kenobi riding the train. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, just go public transit in general. I am famously horny for trains. Uh, love when a train shows up in Star Wars. Oh my God. Well, you are Sheldon Cooper. <laughs> you know what, Bradley? <laughs> you know Sheldon Cooper loves trains, so. I, I will never, I will never, <laughs> I will never forgive the Big Bang Theory for existing. <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked that they haven't done yeah, no, another spinoff. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, also, I, I do want to point out, you know, Obi-Wan having his EOP. Mm-hmm. Um, Classic. Uh, he is canonically good with animals. I like that the way he does it is he takes public transit to his job. Yes. Uh, but he takes the EOP from town back to where he lives in order to cover his tracks. Yeah, it's like he goes like out of his way to just be extra with his like journey back and forth. Yeah. But it's it's to hide his tracks, right? And it's it, it's also because he's super far out in the desert. Public transit doesn't go all the way out to Rome, Georgia, <laughs> right? Uh, I also want to shout out the rising bread. Yes. See, well, the rising food that he eats. Food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of sequel trilogy iconography in this, um, mm-hmm. which I love. Uh, yeah. This is just one of the things that they will use in this episode. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, we're now entering that era of like, you know, before they were taking things from the prequels and putting it in, you know, the modern day stuff. Now they can go, oh, let's take stuff that we did in the sequels and put it in the modern day stuff so that it all connects. It's been there the whole time. You just didn't see it because we just didn't know it was there. We didn't show you yet. <laughs> yeah, Maybe right. Exactly. Uh, however, the bread scene does lead us into the best scene with the best character. Let's talk about Tika. Let's talk about Tika. This is the best fucking, oh my God. Obi-Wan getting swindled by a Jawa. Oh my God. I, uh, I didn't know I needed this in my life, but I needed this in my life. Um, so I don't want to get weird, but I- I'm going to say that Tika, I don't know how old Jawas get or like their lifespans or like what they're at, but I'm assuming Tika is the Jawa that um dated Pelimoto. I believe Pelimoto dated. <laughs> look, look, if you're gonna steal my vaporator parts, can you at least clean them before you sell them back to me? Cleaning costs extra, right? You like, can't what? tell me that person in Pelimoto did not get along. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, he Tika, at least Tika knows Pelimoto, like, at, at least this is one of those scenes that's so random because it kind of serves the plot and then it gets into the T16 that he'll use in the next sequence. We aren't there yet. Uh, on the other hand, it is just a fun scene. And also, it shows off Ewan McGregor's acting chops. Yeah, it's He's just a nice bit just of having levity. a ball with it. Yeah, I like, I like just a little bit of levity sometimes because you just need it. Like, I think in the first, the first little section we got was so serious and so, like, action and whatever. And now it's like, oh, reminder, there is comedy in Star Wars. Like, it's there. You just gotta... Star Wars is yeah. funny. It is, it yeah. is for children. It's it there. is for literal children. So Obi-Wan has like a flashback sequence mm-hmm. in while he's dreaming. This was the scene I thought everyone was tweeting about when they were tweeting about the previously on. I uh, got confused because I was like, you're tweeting about this the minute the episode came out. Uh, how are you already at this scene? It, it was a different scene. So they yeah. have two flashback scenes. Two flashback scenes. I, I do want to throw in there... Uh, so we can all agree that, that Qui-Gon is going to show up in this. 
Yeah. I mean, my theory is that like, it's one of those things where like, he's at his, you know, you have to hit rock bottom. And once you hit rock bottom, then it's like, oh, here's the thing that's going to send me into the finale. That's going to make me win the day or whatever he needs to do. Right. So Qui-Gon will show up, give him a little pep talk at the end. And then it'll be like, all right, thanks, uh, Liam Neeson, for your one five-second cameo. Uh, here's a billion dollars. Go away forever. <laughs> well, well, I mean, Liam Neeson's voicing Qui-Gon Jinn in Tales of the Jedi. So so he's he has said that he is willing to, like, do Star Wars things. I, I honestly, bring him back. Like, I feel like anybody who was in the prequel should come back because all that stuff, like, they didn't have enough time to shine. And, you know, especially whoever was in phantom menace you know what i mean like that was all like you know well right. done so i feel like absolutely liam neeson come back because liam neeson come back kira knightley get a song yeah. show when you know what that's a good idea too i never thought about that honestly honestly no do a whole fucking padme show and do it based on those queen's books or whatever because she they're both well they both look young as fuck so Here's the thing, like, spoilers for this for Queen Hope, I guess. Um, Sabe, canonically during this time, is, like, working to free the slaves on Tatooine. So, like, give give Kira Knightley a show. Hell or yeah. give her, pay her all of the money <laughs> to come in and be Sabe for five minutes. Uh, but, yeah, Liam, they are telegraphing really hard. And here's the thing, tinfoil hat, right? So there's a book called, uh, like, Skywalker something, Skywalker's at War or something okay, like that, that came out, like, about two or three years ago. That book mentions that it took Obi-Wan 10 years to contact Qui-Gon. It is 10 years. Oh, well, la-di-da, look at Kenobi. <laughs> the next day, Kenobi takes his EOP back out to the Lars family farm. Here we see he is keeping his promise by keeping an eye on the boy, who even begins to be showing signs of being like his father already, show, avoiding his chores from his aunt and uncle. At night, Kenobi leaves a present for Luke. Before he heads home, he is confronted by the runaway Jedi, Nari, who begs him for help, but he turns him down. Uh, quick rapid fire notes on this sequence so we can move on to the next one, which is the thing we really want to talk about. Right. Uh, Owen is back. Owen is portrayed by Joel Edgerton, reprising his role from Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Baru, who we get a brief glimpse of, too brief in my right. opinion. Yeah, we only like hear her really. By, yeah. uh, Bonnie Piesi. She was Baru in mm-hmm. uh, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Luke is being played by Grant Feely, and all of you are going to leave him the fuck alone. Yeah, because he's barely in the show so far. First of all, he's barely in the show. Barely in it. Yeah. So don't I don't want to hear a damn thing about that kid. Like no, he is adorable up there (laughs) pretending like he is pretending to pod race. He is very clearly pretending to pod race. I love that. I am kind of impressed that Obi-Wan like rides the EOP right up to the Lars family's garage and like walks in. Nobody hears it. I mean, Nobody I guess shoots him. they're like, uh, there's noises outside. Let's just not go out there because there's probably wild animals and creatures and things. I mean, if, so. if I were if I were Owen and I thought someone was creeping around the farm, he he expresses later in the episode what he does when vermin comes around the farm. Gotcha. So I'm kind of impressed Obi-Wan managed to get ride the EOP straight up. 
my only real note on the Nari and Obi-Wan scene is I want to talk about the dark reflection that it is of, which it is a, a dark reflection to the Ray and Luke stuff in Last Jedi. Because the main difference here, they're very similar. Somebody comes up to a, a Jedi in hiding mm. who blames themselves for what happened and is like, we need you to get back into the fight. I see. And they're like, no one fuck off. Uh, and then Nari proceeds to actually fuck off. Yeah. That's the difference is Nari does actually leave and Ray's like, absolutely the fuck not. Hmm. So I found that interesting, the contrast between what Obi-Wan tells Nari and then what Nari does and what Luke tells Ray and then Ray's like, absolutely not. I'm going to stay here. We cut to the beautiful planet of Alderaan, where a little girl is being dressed. Her mother, the queen, Briha Organa, enters and discovers it is not her daughter, but a decoy. In the woods of Alderaan, we see the true young princess, Leia. Her mother eventually finds her and convinces her to return. While they leave, a mysterious figure watches them in the woods. So shout out to the dress. Uh, that they're they're putting the decoy in, yeah. Uh, which is clearly designed to resemble the Cloud City dress. Mm, yes, there's so many there's so many like little echoes of actual Leia outfits throughout this whole entire show. Like we'll get to each one, but like they're so good. Oh yeah, yeah. Like later on when we get to this episode when she's only in the white, it it's mm-hmm. like supposed to invoke a new hope. I, genius. And then, genius. And, g- genius costuming a plus costuming in the a shows plus. good lord uh i did not recognize that as brea organa at first because it is a recast that is mm. simone kessel yes playing brea organa uh she is taking over for another actress who played her in revenge of the sith Got we it. have no idea why she was recast we still don't know at time of recording i did not realize that was brea until later later on in the episode and then i went oh it's brea organa gotcha i i guess technically she could have just been like some kind of handmaiden or something like, i didn't thought, really know yeah i thought she was like a random administrator i didn't immediately recognize her as the queen gotcha. and i went oh later on in the woods i was like oh yeah that's that's brea yeah. organa yeah that's her mom although speaking of uh of organas we have leia motherfucking organa in this Which, show i was not expecting that at all so, like, I had no idea. So here's my confession. Okay, let's hear the spoiler confession that you I I have known not only that Leia Organa was going to be in the show, but that Vivian Lyra Blair, who plays her, was the one cast Yeah. for probably about three months. Wow. It was discussed and verified by multiple people. Uh, to the point where it was very clear that that's what was going on. And and so I actually knew it. And for our whole episode zero, for everything leading up to it, I did not tell you. You're biting your I tongue. I was biting my tongue. I desperately wanted to be like, I predict Leia Organa is going to be in this. And she's going to be a major <laughs> part of it so that I can right. look clever. But no, I did actually know, thank you, Jordan Mason, that uh, quite a bit in advance that Leia was going to be in this. So I was very excited to see her. Yeah. It did not disappoint at all. No, I, I, what's funny about this is she is actually the opposite of what you would have expected, right? Because like the obvious choice 
is to be like, oh, little Luke, right? Because he's watching him on Tatooine and blah, 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 blah. You don't really think about Leia because in, you know, the original story, she's just kind of fucks off an Alderaan until she's an adult. And then it's like New Hope. Like, you know what I mean? So there's nothing there. Yeah. And and we had the excellent, like, Leia Princess of Alderaan uh, written by Claudia Gray. We've had some excellent Leia content, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of bridging that gap. But this is a very unexplored period. And I think what's interesting is that the arc with Leia that we're clearly seeing is, is somebody who is not comfortable growing into the role that they have that she doesn't yet understand leaning into her position to be able to do good she just wants to like charge in guns blazing do whatever she wants Mm -hmm. fix all the things come at people and she doesn't realize the power that her her role holds which obviously the arc especially given episodes two and three is going to be her learning how to do that right so also she's just so damn cute she is oh my goodness Uh, vivian lyra blair who plays her absolutely nails every single scene that she's in every scene at the premiere when the the credits had finished rolling on two she like they introduced her last and they were like introducing vivian lyra blair and she like ran out onto the stage and immediately ran to hug deborah chow and ewan mcgregor like so cute this is so adorable she also has her own little adorable droid uh, okay so we need to talk about the droid too because by the way they've already made like three different versions of that as like a toy that you can buy now oh oh like it was up at the hasbro booth the next yeah. day literally <laughs> the next day the next the day hasbro yeah. booth had lola so cute and like my boyfriend actually said like oh it had spoiled him for the droid being in it, because he walked by the Hasbro booth and went, hmm, I wonder if this huge droid display is something for Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi. Yeah, I love it. I love little Lola. It's so adorable. It fits her personality. It's cute. Um, I don't quite understand what Lola's design is for, like, like at all, Like, but I like it. And it's I supposed want her to, to be like a little ladybug. No, but I mean, like, what is the droid's purpose? Like, you know how every droid has, like, a purpose? The droid's like, so purpose is to something. sell toys, Bradley. <laughs> I know that. Or what What do we think it is? Like, a little social media droid? Like, it just, like, it follows you around and, like, it takes pictures and does kind of stuff. Like, you standard, know what I mean? Like, a nanny. Standard, standard helper droid, like, just keep an eye yeah. on her. It's like a Broadcast things yeah. if, if she needs to. Right. We see that it has, like, a little, like, saw that it uses to chop her, chop her out toward the end of the episode or try too yeah all kinds of stuff like that i think it's super cute um love that for her um i love that she calls it lola um because i think it has a designation we just don't get that until the second episode or third episode i think i can't remember what it is but but it shows yeah i think it's the third one but it's interesting because in the uh in not this next scene but the one following it you know we do see like that's why she likes droids because she has her own best friend who's a droid so Back on Tatooine, Kenobi goes through the motions of work, minding his business until after work, he is confronted by Owen Lars, telling him to keep his distance from Luke. During the conversation, they are interrupted by Inquisitors, who confront the townspeople about the Jedi. Reva takes things too far as to cutting off a woman's hand, and she threatens (laughs) Owen and his whole family to draw out the Jedi. The fifth brother is not pleased with Reva. So the Owen and Ben scene is a fucking savage roast. Oh, loves. Like, oh my God. I do want to talk about how it is very much a retread a scene from a comic. Okay. That one of the comics, uh, basically the same thing happens. Ben leaves 
stuff, Skyhopper toys and stuff for Luke. Owen shows up at Ben's house in the middle of the night and like tosses it back and is like, leave us the fuck alone. And delivers a line to Ben, which does not appear in this show. However, I do want to bring it up in the vein of roasting Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, Owen says to Ben, haven't you killed enough Skywalkers? Burn, literally. So Owen has (laughs) has spends 20 years roasting Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's been holding on to that one for a while. (laughs) A a few minor notes. Luke is absolutely showing like 100. Owen would not be trying this hard to keep Luke away from Ben if if Luke weren't already showing some signs of force sensitivity. I do also want to note that Owen tells Ben that Anakin is dead. And this Mm. is important because it's worth remembering everyone thinks Anakin is dead. We just take it for granted that Obi-Wan knows that Anakin is alive in A New Hope. He left Anakin for dead on Mustafar. Yeah, and he, I think he's, he explains to Owen, he's like, hey... Like, I mean, we, we, it's like off camera, but he's like, hey, he died. You know what I mean? Like the father died and the mother the died. The father died. Like, now, Owen also probably does not know that Anakin turned to the dark side. Right. Probably what Owen was told is Anakin died. died. This is Anakin and Padme's kid. Right. Anakin died. Padme died. Both of them are dead. We need right. to hide this kid from the emperor. I, you know, I just thought too, does Owen even know that Luke has a sister or does he just think he's an only child? He thinks he's an only child. Yeah. I just thought about that. Yeah. So they, they don't know about Leia. Ben wouldn't have compromised yeah, Leia right. by telling her about. By telling anybody else. Yeah. Interesting. So he doesn't even have like 99% of the truth. <laughs> he just has Luke is the biological son of Anakin Skywalker and that's it. I also do want to point out how respectful of Obi-Wan's alias Owen is. Like, he never calls him Obi-Wan. He just calls him Ben, which it would be super easy for Owen to, like, deploy Obi-Wan's real name. But no, he's like, no, you're you're Ben. You're annoying the fuck out of me and you need to leave me alone. But you're just Ben now. That's why he's such a bitch in A New Hope. He's like, that old coot. Well, I mean, Owen does take a fucking lightsaber to the face here in about five minutes. That's true. Uh, Speaking of that sequence, love Owen's use of exact words to get away from, get around Reva's questions. Mm. Because he specifically says, there are no Jedi on my farm. He does not say there are no Jedi here. And he does also not say there are no Force sensitives on my farm. He really is like determined for Luke not to be a Jedi. Yeah, he's like, he's not, he's never going to be a Jedi. So there ain't one on my farm. Exactly. Which is also a euphemism for being gay, by the way. So let's throw that out there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll give Owen a little credit for protecting Luke, but also like. But also um, he's clearly like a slightly homophobic country dad, you know. Clearly. <laughs> Clearly, we're doing the family-friendly version of that. Right, right, right. Well, this series this series has done a lot to complicate Owen. Because originally in A New Hope, Owen's kind of a dick. And he's portrayed as a dick because we're meant to sympathize with Luke. We are in the late 70s, early 80s, meant to be kids who are like, oh, yeah, my parents don't want me to do anything, yada, yada, yada. And then we run off and have adventure. This adds an element of complication to that because he really does want to protect luke he really does want to the best for the kid and he thinks he knows what that is to the point where he faces down a fucking lightsaber without Mm, blinking like you can see his face tense up like he is perfectly prepared 
to die to protect this kid. Okay, yeah. Uh, We are also getting some more Reva motivation in this scene where she talks about being impressed that Owen's like willing to die to protect his family. She's clearly very disappointed in the Jedi for not doing the same thing. Yeah, you can see that there's something there where she holds resentment and then it's like, we get, we explore that a lot more in the third episode, I think, but it's definitely like, you can see where there is that budding. Like she, her character is starting to come together and make sense. Here's the thing, audience, and and I'm going to paraphrase myself on Twitter a while ago. I am going to have to break out my, I have a literal degree in screenwriting. I'm better at this than you hat. <laughs> I try not to on this show because right. I like the vibe of, oh, if you like Star Wars and you have something to say. But here's what irks me is there's been a lot of criticism of Reva's character from people who present themselves as like script experts. I'm like, you are dumb, idiot fucking children with a microphone. You are overgrown man children with a video camera and a YouTube account, and you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So here, let me help you a little bit. Sometimes when you write a thing, you parcel out the villain's motivation over the course of the thing. And 30 minutes in to the five hour thing, the villain is not going to turn to the the, the audience and go, here is my motivation for doing the things I do. That's not how it works. So we are getting audience. It is trusting you. Obi-Wan Kenobi is very good in that it is trusting you to read between the lines in terms of the world building and the characterization. And part of it is Reva's characterization. You have to read between the lines. You have to look at what she's saying, who she's saying it to, and how Moses Ingram is saying it in order to get across how does she feel about somebody being willing to defend their family to the death that is interesting to her what does that tell us about her as a character she does not simply turn to the audience and say wow it is interesting to me because of my tragic backstory the notion of someone defending their family that's not how this is written she's not a saturday morning cartoon villain like she's not gonna be like i only have 11 minutes to get to the point so And like direct to these people who are not listening to the show. If you're listening to the show, you're probably lovely, but I have to get this off my chest anyway. You may not think you're being racist, picking these things apart about Reva's character. And you may tell yourself, oh, it's just bad writing, yada, yada, yada. One, please analyze why it only seems to be women of color that you criticize for having bad writing. And number two, even if you tell yourself, I'm not racist. I'm just criticizing the bad writing. You are empowering racists to take that words that you're using and turn around and use them to attack the actress. Right. So you need to examine why you feel you need to be critical of this particular character and whether or not you need to be doing it in such a way that this is a direct attack. So... I am very annoyed with the Star Wars fandom right now, but even McGregor has said things much more succinctly than I could. I, with a degree in screenwriting, love Reva's character uh, and will continue to analyze these episodes uh, and explain why. And yes, when there are missteps, I will point them out. Yeah, that's not to say there's I not things this. wrong with the show. Oh, yeah. Like, we can, we, yeah, if we really were going to like nitpick and like bring the things apart like it's absolutely easy to do that because everybody you know makes mistakes there's you know you can't have a perfect thing so there's i think we've lost over that i i'm right. particularly like uh right. man this doesn't really land for me yada, yada, yada. yeah you talked about the order 66 at the beginning not really landing yeah but again in the context of we've only seen the first three hours of a six hour movie 
you know what I mean? You can't necessarily judge it yet. Like we can judge it enough, but I can't be like, oh, that scene doesn't make right. any sense. It's not important. It shouldn't be there because I don't know yet. There's still three the, more hours left. The Reva scene with Reva and Owen, aside from just being Owen being a badass motherfucker, does so much to tell us about who Reva is without turning to the camera and sitting down and going, all righty, CinemaSins, today we're going to explain in detail why the world building makes sense. Looking at you, Beauty and the Beast, the right. remake. Like, that's what happens when you try to turn to the audience every 10 seconds and rationalize your fantasy. Right. Like, you get Beauty and the Beast, the remake with Emma Watson. It's, it's very good, and we need to move on before I continue to get angry at some of the <laughs> shitty takes I've seen on the internet. Absolutely. Back on Alderaan, Senator Bail Organa and his family head to an event. During the event, Leia's annoying cousin berates her for being kind to a droid. She reads him for filth, and he tattles on her. <laughs> After a talk with her father, she runs off into the woods again, where she is confronted by the bounty hunter Vest Nokru. His goons give chase and kidnaps the young princess. So we'll come back to chronological in a second, but I had a thought that's not in my notes that occurred to me. Yeah. Um, Leia's cousin is absolutely the type of person to go onto TikTok and comment, Ray is not a real Skywalker under every <laughs> video tagged Ray Skywalker. But then immediately turns around and is writing fan fiction about Ray because he's sexually attracted to her. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he is the type of person, he is the perfect person to be simultaneously obsessed with Ray. Yes. And continue to insist that she's not a real right. Skywalker. Exactly. You're not even a real Skywalker. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, that's how you sound, TikTok commenters who do this to every single video. Yeah, Bail Organa, and this is confession number two. I also knew Bail Organa was coming. That one's not as much of a shock to not me. As, not as big of a deal yeah. as yeah. I knew Leia was going to be in this show. Uh, I did know Bail Organa was going to be in this show. Gotcha. Uh, Jimmy Smith just loves... <sighs> Between this and Mon Mothma and Andor, I'm kind of getting that Imperial Senate show that I wanted. It's, it's kind of roundabout and split between a few different shows. Right. But this is the show I wanted. I, I'm 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 glad Jimmy Schmitz is back because obviously, like you know, you can't recast that man. But um, also, well, you, you can that... you can recast anybody, but he is well, he he is, he is very iconic in this particular <laughs> role. Um, did you know that Jimmy Schmitz was in How to Get Away with Murder? I did. He is in season okay. three. He is Annalise's okay. therapist. Interesting. I just I just had to bring that out because I was like because I've been doing with all the people when every time we bring up a person's name i have to go through their imdb page just to make sure they're not in a disney thing and a marvel thing um so <laughs> i was looking at his thing and i was like oh not a disney or marvel thing but a charles thing so he's in yes. how to get away with murder <laughs> every time how to get away with murder listeners is my favorite tv show so right. bradley will point out anytime an actor has appeared in how to get away with murder if i if i if i catch it i will yes some rapid fire notes uh mm -hmm. i bless bale's heart for trying to be like, we need to address the systemic inequality. And, and then this it, fellow is kind of being like, <laughs> like nah. Sure. Nah. Nah, I just want I came to eat the lobster. Like, I don't give a shit about your fucking problems. Which, um, <sighs> mm. Star Wars isn't political, guys. There's right. no politics in Star Wars. Not at all. Ugh. 
C-3PO is in the background of the scene. That was cute. I like that. You can see him. Very cute to see him there. I, I did like um, that. I'm on the fence on whether Leia is using the Force. Okay. It's possible her Force has given her more empathic abilities, but... Yes, I, I see that because I think, honestly, now that you say that, I think because we've seen... Uh, no, I'm not going to say what happens in episode three, but she I feel like she does a similar thing in episode three and actually she also in episode does a similar two. one in two. Yeah. So honestly, yes, you're right. I think fence. she is using the force. Yeah. I feel like you could argue she's using the force kind of subconsciously. Yes. She doesn't it's not realize a, she's doing right. it. Exactly. But it also does explain why she's going to be such an excellent senator because she's. She knows how to read people. You know, yeah. She's reading people literally subconsciously with the force. Right. It is not in my notes, but I would be remiss if I did not point out the gloriousness of Leia Organa's fucking bird (laughs) Uh, to her cousin. So good. So good. I felt that in my soul. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Owen's out here roasting Obi-Wan Kenobi, and we're thinking this is going to be the worst roast in the show. Yeah. It is the third (laughs) <laughs> it is the third worst roast in the show leia organa currently holds the time everything the leia organa says is the right. second worst roast it's between this and one she does of obi-wan in oh the, yeah in episode two in episode two yeah 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 She's really Uh, good. She's coming out with sick burns every episode. She's coming out with sick burns. Uh, We will get to the number one burn thus far in the show when we get to episode three. Right. And if you watched episode three, you know exactly what burn I'm talking about. Uh, Loves it. Cute little scene with uh, Bale and and Leia. Mm -hmm. Many, many, many people have pointed out that it makes sense that Leia would be accepting of Ray as a Skywalker, uh, given what she had to go through being an adopted Organa. And once again, we see thematic stuff that will carry over into the sequels. Bale talking about how you are an Organa in every way feels like a direct repudiation of Ray's not a real Skywalker, like a direct repudiation of it. Uh, he does also mention Pergil. Hmm. He mentions wanting to chase Pergil. Pergil, as we know, are from Star Wars Rebels, or as my boyfriend terms them, Space Whale. I think we we forget the Space Whales are a thing sometimes, and it's just... <laughs> space <laughs> Whale! It's like when we forget there's Space Wolves, like you just always forget that there's like this random thing that just exists in Star Wars. But yes, we do respect chosen names here. Uh, between yes. Owen calling Ben by Ben, between Ray Skywalker and Leia Organa, we we respect chosen names here. Leia's so fucking Anakin though. When she like, yeah, I'll totally apologize. Bolts into the woods. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. She's like, okay, I'll do it. Not bolts off. Uh, real fast in the scene with Brea, where they talk about like, well, you know what she's like. You know who she's like. They're talking about Anakin, by the way. Yeah. Uh, you can also see R two D two in the background of this sequence. Oh, I never, I didn't notice him. It, it's it's fast. It is fast and it is off to the opposite side of the screen for Brea. It is literally like the definition of an Easter egg. Like you have to oh, be wow. hunting for it. You have to be it. hunting for it. Interesting. You will straight up miss Art. I, stra- I watched this on the big screen and I straight up missed R2-D2. Wow. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely did not see him. The first. But he is there. He is that. He is down and to the, sorry, to the right. 
He's down into the right. Brian Bailey to the left. He is down into the right. So if you're watching the part of the screen that they want you to watch, you won't see him. But gotcha. if you notice it, he's there. Um, I didn't write this down in my notes, um, but the droid that she's nice to at the um, dinner party is not the same droid that's in A New Hope, who is also a silver C-3PO or whatever. Oh, unfortunately. Really? I thought they were the same, but they're not because this one has blue sensors or whatever it's called for their eyes. Um, and the other one has regular like yellow sensors or whatever. So it's like, it's a different droid, which I thought was like weird. Cause like, why didn't you just use the same one? And like, be like, oh, that's the silver droid that was also on the ship with them in the beginning of the movie. So Vect Nakru, who is our bounty hunter who captures uh, is continuing a grand tradition of putting random musicians in yep. Star Wars. Star Wars uh, yeah. That is Flea from, uh, I believe, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Red Hot Chili Peppers. And funny enough, he almost has a Disney trifecta. What, what's he missing? Is he missing Marvel? He's missing Marvel. Um, he's actually been in lots of Disney stuff, but the two most notable ones I wrote, he does voices in Inside Out and Toy Story 4. Interesting which I didn't know that either. I was like, this man almost, if he just put him in one Marvel thing, he is officially a Disney trifecta. Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers is a Flea Disney trifecta. Red Hot Chapter. Well, it looks like he's done some, he's, it's not a random thing because he has 104 acting credits. Yeah, he definitely does do stuff, and, which is weird. And but. Only, only part of them is like as himself in the Red Hot Chili Peppers. He has shown up, like I'm scrolling through, he was in Boy Erased. He was in Baby Driver. Yeah, he's in a lot of stuff. I just had to pick the, you know, obviously Disney stuff. I was like, whatever. He just shows up and randomly does stuff. Like uh, someone on Twitter, I think it was Liam Likes SW, I think pointed out that I think the Falline that's with with him mm -hmm. might be our first live action Falline, but it is not our first Falline to appear in a live action Star Wars. How does that make any sense? Let me explain. During the production of star wars episode one the phantom menace ah. in order to fill up the stadium for the pod racer stuff which is not digital that is a miniature some of the figures they used were the tiny micro machines prince shizor so falling have appeared in the stands in episode bradley is like his eyes immediately glassed over and he like rolled to the side and is falling <laughs> off his screen oh my god you're such a nerd i truly i am <laughs> it's like almost like you like star wars or something what it's almost like i've been obsessed with the stupid <laughs> space wizard franchise for 25 years 20, of my life. 20 plus years yeah i i've been in this a long time Back on Tatooine, Kenobi receives a distress call from Bail Organa telling him about the kidnapping, but he refuses to help. He goes back to his work routine, but when he comes back to town, he sees the Jedi Nari's body strung up for all to see. Kenobi heads home to be confronted by Bail Organa in person. Uh, Obi-Wan has a Game Boy, and I love that <laughs> for him. Uh, he also has like the old calm. Like the Phantom Menace, like Jedi Com. Like the which, razor blade or whatever? The Venus razor that no, Liam Neeson uses? No, like the hologram projector. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, no. 
not that not that com it's the hologram projector <laughs> the hologram com. projector gotcha oh my god i'm terrible at star wars i messed everything up bale has an interesting line here when he's trying to convince obi-wan uh which is very resonant she's as important as he is which i love that line also worth noting um so in from a certain point of view it is revealed that obi-wan sends a skywalker twin to yoda uh he gets really 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 excited to finally train her and has to get crushingly disappointed when he finds out it's the boy right so yoda wanted to train leia he didn't think luke was ready he wanted leia to be trained isn't it like just like a man to be trained first exactly exactly <laughs> luke luke just exercised his male privilege right unfortunately and he got in it got in the line and then he ended up having to train leia so right so it all worked I, out, I, I just guess. love the line and the idea that leia is as important as luke is and i think paralleled with the the decision to center leia as the main kid in this mm-hmm. and not luke definitely like it, it's it's good that they've chosen to give leia this story yeah, because especially if you, what's going to be interesting is watching this and then going back and watching A New Hope and trying to like be like, okay, let's see how this like matches up like with his decisions and stuff. Because in, you know, in A New Hope, he's very much like, oh, Luke is the one, the important one. I have to focus on Luke, 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 Luke. And I think it's because one, Obi-Wan can always slightly sexist because he's like, oh, I see Anakin in a boy. He doesn't see Anakin in a girl necessarily um he's also not spent a lot of time with leia so it's harder right. for him he like he sees padme and leia yeah but it has been pointed out by people on the internet that luke is more a padme's child and leia is a little more of anakin's child yeah it's such a it's funny how they did that but so nari dies it was inevitable uh really fucking dark like ending for him too where they've got him like strung up yeah, but then we can also say that's like Reva being just extra. You know what I mean? Because like from what we know, the Inquisitors just kill people and go. Like they don't, you know what I mean? They're not about to like make a example out of it. You know what I mean? They're like, all right, let's just get the fuck out of here. Like move on. Which is what they do. You know, the second right. they're done, they just piss off. Right. When Bale shows up in the cave, I loved the framing of him as like a Jedi. Right, because you didn't know who. Because like, it's I exactly think... it's exactly like uh, Luke in, in Force Awakens. Well, I think people might have thought it was also going to be randomly uh, Qui Gon or something, just for like a hot second. Do you, do you want to know my immediate first thought? What was your first thought? Oh my God, it's Asajj Ventress. Uh, no, shut up. No, That's like funny. legitimately, I had brain worms and was it like Asajj Ventress. Is Asajj alive by this point? No, she's dead. Oh, okay. So yeah, I was like, why would you say that then? (laughs) Well, we will get an Asajj Ventress connection later on. Later on, yeah. Indirectly. Yeah. I loved Hmm. the framing of Bale as like a Jedi. As like a Jedi, yeah, because he's got the robes. You can almost hear the do, 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 do. Right. (laughs) When he's standing there. Uh, And his plea, you know, obviously, please help. This sort of explains why this works in A New Hope to get Obi-Wan off of Tatooine because it's worked in the past. Oh, I see what you're saying, yeah. And Uh, he knows where he is. This explains why Bale sends Leia. 
Right. This is why he knows where like Ben is because or Kenobi is because he helped him earlier, like five years ago, like to, you know, rescue his daughter and blah, blah, blah. So it's interesting how it's all going to connect. Yes. This what this series is doing is really well is it's telling its own story, but it's also kind of retroactively keying up a lot of stuff that's going to happen in A New Hope. Yeah. Uh, and we will get to it in episode two. I have watched scenes from A New Hope again, recontextualized, and it, it makes perfect sense. In the final scenes, we see the bounty hunter ship heading for a new city planet. Leia is tied up, but she has her droid Lola to help her. While she is helping her escape, she's discovered by the bounty hunter Vest, who crushes the droid. Back on Tatooine, Kenobi goes digging in the middle of the desert for not one, but two lightsabers, that of his own and the one of Anakin Skywalker's. We cut to the bounty hunters who reveal that Reva, the Inquisitor, was behind the kidnapping to draw Kenobi out. Kenobi makes his way off Tatooine to find the missing princess. I like how Leia's already resourceful. Yeah, she's already she's like, I'm getting out of this shit. And she's trying to break herself out. <laughs> and she's, she's down into the smock, the white smock, which is obviously supposed to be reminiscent of her dress in mm-hmm. uh, A New Hope. So I just, I love how, I love how resourceful she already is. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously it was all Reva's plan. Of course. Here's the thing. So Reva is a contrast to Obi-Wan in that Reva is very, very proactive and Obi-Wan is very hesitant. And so she acts as a foil to him. She's not going to wait for the Grand Inquisitor to give her permission to act she's just gonna go so contrast to obi-wan where literally everyone's telling him please do something Uh, and i was like nah Nah. so i i do like that let's let's finish off by talking about the scene where he goes out into the desert and gets the lightsabers uh so one was not expecting to see anakin saber yeah uh, but in retrospect, it makes sense. If he buried his own, he would have buried Anakin's too. And then on top of that, I love that this is the exact inverse of the ending of Rise of Skywalker. It, yeah, I was just about to say that. It's like the exact opposite. Where that one was, okay, Ray is going to bury the lightsabers and the legacy in the desert and move on and forge her own path. Obi-Wan's like, I have to pick up who I used to be. And he literally exhumes his own corpse, essentially, right. from the desert. And then uh, my final thing is just directed by Deborah Chow. I mean, we don't have to say that every episode because she's directing every single she's episode. But... <laughs> this series is directed. But we can talk about Deborah her now. Chow. Yeah. Uh, Deborah Chow has, of course, directed an episode of The Mandalorian before running off and doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, writing credits were <laughs> interesting. Um, there's three writers credited because uh, they had to rewrite this a few times. That is a thing that things get rewritten all the time. Right. And you have to That's, include everybody. Yeah. And you have to include everybody. WGA rules. You have to include everybody. Right. So when you hear like, oh, the screenwriter left and they brought in a new screenwriter. This is normal in Hollywood. Right. You are only paying attention to it now because it's Star Wars. Exactly. It does not mean they had wild production issues it means they needed to settle on a tone and a consistent arc and story and they went through multiple writers to do it. It happens. Right. Calm down. 
Any final thoughts on the episode? I nope. Very excited uh, to watch episode two. Which we uh, uh, will preface with, we technically got to watch back to back because they we did get both, to watch back to back. So but uh, I we'll got get to watch to both it, yeah. in the theater. No, I thought it was I thought it was good. Um, I thought it was it was pretty peak Star Wars. I think uh, it's a lot tighter than some of the other stuff is. So like Mandalorian, mm-hmm. even right. like Boba Fett. This is a lot tighter uh-huh. of a story that it's very obvious. And I really appreciate that. I, I appreciate how they brought in a lot of different people like Brea, Bale, some of these other characters uh, without being like, oh, look, here's Bale Organa for no reason. Right. It makes I sense in that. the story. Yeah. Anytime the Grand Inquisitor shows up and he's not just there to be another Inquisitor. He has a role mm-hmm. in the story. Right. Uh, fifth brother, he's not there to be another Inquisitor. He has a role in the story and a role to play in Reva's story. Right. And we'll get to that in episode three. But I love I love that. I'm loving the show so far. A plus job. What about you, Bradley? What are your final thoughts? Um, final thoughts are, yeah, I, I thought I was I was not expecting this show at all, honestly. Uh, from the beginning to end, I did, never knew what was going to happen. I thought it was really cool. Um definitely in the realm of a star wars movie because they like they said it is a you know a limited series but it's like a six-part movie essentially that we're watching and it's going to be interesting to watch it all at once um going back and being like oh that's why they did that oh that's what that was hinting at you know so it'll be i think it'll be recontextualized much better in the final um showing of all the episodes like once we get the finale i think the episodes will be greatly enhanced. I think they're already good, but I think they will be even more enhanced when we get to watch the final like thing as a whole. I'm really looking forward to, you know, whenever we do these shows, we, we do them week to week and then we go back. I go back and I marathon the whole thing before we do our, our retrospective. I'm really looking forward to that retrospective. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be really marathon good. marathon of the whole thing. Because one and two together were a great little like little movie they um, definitely needed to be together. I will say that. Those two definitely. I yeah, do see why sure. they chose to put them together because those I two do, definitely yeah. needed to be. It together. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, I guess go ahead and run the socials so that I can go watch the first three episodes of Obi Wan Kenobi again. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Gold Squadron Gaze. Did Charles fuck something up? Email us and let us know at goldsquadrongaze at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Gold Squad Gaze, and you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Gold Squadron Gaze. Subscribe to us on YouTube at Gold Squadron Gaze, where we post this podcast as well as exclusive video content. Please join us next week and every week for another episode of Gold Squadron Gaze. I, you know what's funny is I was about to rewatch the episode and I it's was going to like double check. four letter name, Bradley. How I do know. you fuck up a four? How do okay. you not? <laughs> it's Reva. No. Or is it Reva? I think, I think it's interchangeable. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Reva because I, otherwise I, I'll, I'll mess it okay. up. I, okay. Let's, we'll so go with Reva. Okay.